I think I was about eight years old, and my sister came into the room, and she asked me, hey, who's your favorite basketball player? And I said, well, my favorite nugget is Nick Van Axel. My favorite non-nugget is Kobe Bryant. And she said, well, if you had to choose one, who's your true favorite basketball player? And I thought, and I knew what I was supposed to say. I knew, I, like, I wanted to say it was Nick Van Axel. I was a diehard Nuggets fan. But uh, I couldn't. And so I said, well, my favorite favorite is Kobe Bryant. So then a two couple weeks later, Christmas rolls around. And under the tree, I open up a brand new Kobe Bryant jersey. And I was so, so stoked. Put it on right away, went outside, started shooting hoops. And then I also remember um, I, I realized, and this is silly, but I realized if you cover up the B and T in Bryant, it says Ryan. <laughs> so I used to take athletic tape when I would go hoop with my friends and make it seem like I had a custom jersey that said uh, that said Ryan. Was it an 8 or a 24? It was an 8, yeah. Mm. Not that young. <laughs> um, but man, what a what a tragic day yesterday. We talk a lot about crying on this podcast, and uh, I cried a lot yesterday. I cried for first about Kobe, and then I cried a lot thinking about his daughter. It's just so heartbreaking to think that you know she, Kobe, in forty-one years lived a lot of life maybe more life than most of us ever will but uh she didn't and and that's what I kept coming back to and I just the the fear and the the horror of what must have been going through their minds when they're going down that that really uh that really took me down yesterday so uh sad it's uh it's hard to believe that it's it's true and you know even waking up this morning is it hasn't sunk in I think to a lot of people including myself of of what happened because Kobe was bigger than the Lakers he was bigger than the NBA he was bigger than sports he, he was bigger than life and uh, how does something bigger than life go H- how is that gone and so that that's what I'm having trouble understanding you know he, he's Kobe he he's a saying you know, even mm-hmm. even people that weren't basketball fans, of course, you know, every kid, including myself, on the basketball uh, court, when you'd shoot, you'd say Kobe. And then even, you know, when you're in the office throwing away trash in, in the trash can, you say Kobe when you do that. He was he was larger than life. And so to me, it, it hasn't hit that he's gone. And, uh, man, so un- unbelievably sad. You know, the initial reports just had Kobe mentioned and that was awful and then like you said once it it came out that his daughter was in there that's just and that his daughter that was not just playing the game that he loved but clearly playing it with him with her dad uh he was her coach they're at so many basketball games together this year so unbelievably sad I mean there's no words to say how sad that is yeah I kept thinking about like what if she wasn't there like what what she would have said you know and you could imagine her talking about how she was going to carry on his legacy and right all that stuff and that's another thing that's like an underlying 
part of this and like you mentioned like it's just hard to imagine he's gone but like I think women's sports it, it takes such a hit here because he was so into promoting the WNBA and um I think if she became a star that she was destined to be that could have that would have been the best thing ever for the WNBA you know like there's been stars and and great great players but no one that really bridges that gap between the NBA and the WNBA like Kobe Bryant's daughter would have um so yeah it's crazy to think that when some team you know some player moves into fourth place ahead of Kobe that he won't be there to congratulate them or when something really historic happens in the NBA we won't hear Kobe's thoughts on it you know like we always or when someone dies you know like we always hear the you know Bill Russell's of the world and um you know uh doctor you know all these incredible basketball players Michael Jordan and and Magic Johnson yeah Yeah. like we always hear their thoughts on this stuff and you just if you would have asked someone yesterday and obviously you wouldn't have been thinking of it this way but you would have said like man you'd you just imagine Kobe one day being 85 years old, sharing his thoughts on X, Y, and Z. Um, so it, that's that's the part that's probably going to take a while to set in. Is like you're never going to see him courtside again. You're never and um, that's it's weird. It's just weird. And 41 years old, and it's incredible. 20 seasons in the NBA and everything he accomplished. I mean, eight. Teen all-star games <laughs> it is absolutely insane the only player to be in it start an all-star game before he was 20 of course coming out of high school everything with him and just the thing that I kept remembering yesterday was what made he he and Michael Jordan all throughout my childhood really showed me what greatness was in in all sports it was those two guys and because obviously both of those guys had so much talent. But I would just remember reading things over and over again about both of these guys that they were the hardest workers and no one came close to them. They were the ones in their three in the gym three hours before any of their other teammates just shooting, practicing every single shot, practicing defense, everything both of them great defenders as well it wasn't just one-sided and uh, that's what really showed me okay the greats have the talent obviously but they have they don't just have the work ethic or they don't just have a work they have the work ethic those are the two hardest working guys no wonder that's what makes greatness and and Kobe was the definition of greatness on, on the court yeah I mean he's the first thing I think of Whenever we talk about that sort of thing on this podcast, whether it's Drew Locke and him having the mix of the talent and the work ethic, it's like whenever you talk about the combination of talent and work ethic, the first person I think of is Kobe. Um, And it transcends sports, you know, like I said, when you think of Peyton, what made him great? He was the same way. Um, And it's funny that he had that like killer instinct that yeah, he did. just took him even a level higher. You know, like people were talking last night, like Magic Johnson always played the game with a smile on his face because he just loved the game so much. And it was like, Kobe loved the game too, but you didn't see him smile much on the floor. No. And it's just like that killer mentality. And I just, 
you <laughs> you'd watch Nuggets games, and I I mean when I'm talking about you know the Nick Van Axel days, yeah. they never stood a chance. <laughs> and you'd watch these games, and the ragtag group of Nuggets would roll out onto the floor, and <laughs> Kobe and Shaq would go out there, and you're just like, how is this even the same sport? <laughs> yeah. And he would hit like you know, three jumpers in the first two minutes or whatever and just be grimacing. And I'm like, and you're just thinking like, bro, you're going to win by 40 tonight. <laughs> you, you don't need to take this attitude. But that's the only – he didn't have a a halfway switch for a game. He didn't believe in load management, which I'm not trying to, you know, have like a boomer take about lo- load management. But that's just not the way he was wired. Just every day in the gym – 4 a.m., you know, getting in a workout, then getting his body worked on, then doing practice, then getting his body worked on, then doing shoot-around, then getting his body worked on, and then playing a game. Like, just tireless, tireless effort, tireless work. And um, legacy is is a complicated word, but I think two things. One, his legacy is the reaction yesterday. Like just as a small piece of this, there's probably only one thing that could have ever happened that would have gotten the Pepsi center to light up in purple and gold. Right. We hate the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And I, I still do today. You know, this didn't change anything. I still hate the Lakers, but that's the one thing that could have made that happen. You know, it, it was, um, oddly, um, comforting that the whole world was grieving together. It was like for, and, and I'm being a little naive here because I know there was still hate being spewed everywhere on the internet, I'm sure. But it did feel like for a minute, we stopped yelling at each other about stupid stuff and just appreciated his life. And uh, it was like um, we the, the world collectively like held a funeral yesterday. Like I was thinking about it. And I'm like, the, the, th- the eulogies that people were saying, the stories that they were sharing, um, the pictures the old videos, all this stuff, like that's what happens at a funeral. It was like, it was like everyone stopped and had a funeral yesterday, which was so sad, but it was also kind of beautiful in a way. From every single part of the world, you know, all the different countries, but then you also had, of course, uh, the NBA players that were so directly impacted because they played against Kobe. He was truly their mentor. Uh, He was the guy that they looked up to to the NFL, the Pro Bowl, to outside of sports. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, that was the the first actor that I saw tweet, just a a great message, um, just about how it wasn't just what he did on the court, but what he meant to L.A. and what he was doing with with kids in L.A., uh, going back to what you were talking about earlier, Ryan. And then you had uh, President Obama tweeting about him. It was that's how big Kobe was. And when I, I was trying to put this in perspective for myself, just what this meant. And to me, it's Pey- he's Peyton Manning because not only the greatness on the field, but in commercials, representing organizations, just this figurehead uh, of, of life and the greatness in sports. And then also Kobe was doing a show detail on ESPN you also have Peyton doing the exact same thing. And then you also have Peyton's places. And, of course, everyone in everyone in Denver knows how big Kobe is. But people in Denver really 
know how how big Peyton is and how big of an impact Peyton has. And, uh, you know, if you say Peyton in Denver, everyone knows who it is. If you say Peyton in, I don't know, South Carolina, (laughs) people will be able to get to where Peyton Manning is, you know, get that, but it doesn't click right away. You can go to China, Australia, Thailand, uh, anywhere in your, anywhere, and you say Kobe, there's no question. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other part of his legacy, I think, will be that mentality. Like I think that his book about Mamba mentality and all that stuff, I think that will be passed down for generations. Um, and I just look at some of, you know, my favorite CU basketball players, like Spencer Dinwiddie obsessed with Kobe and mm. you saw when when he played he got that grimace on his face and when the game got late he he almost had similar mannerisms to Kobe and then McKinley Wright who's up there in Boulder now is the same way it's like this this killer mentality that I think even now that Kobe's not here to talk about it that will be preached to people who have the opportunity to be great forever. And I love what people have been saying, which is like the Mamba mentality can be taken to anything. It can be used for us on this podcast. It could be, it's, it's just the idea of squeezing every ounce of potential you have out and leaving nothing on the table. And when you're talking about that, how can you not think of his final game (laughs) when he, he didn't have anything. He was coming off a season when he had a torn Achilles, probably shouldn't have been coming back for a 20th season, had a rough season. It it was tough seeing Kobe not be Kobe throughout that season, yet when there was nothing left, nothing left in his final game in the NBA, 20 seasons, he squeezed just that little drop left for 60 points. I mean, he was saying going into that game, that he hoped to play five or ten minutes in each half. And he goes out and drops 60 in a game where they were down and his 60 helped them win or made them win. Yeah, that was the fun- that was a funny game to watch. I watched it start to finish. And I remember thinking early, like, this is a little weird. <laughs> They're just kind of getting out of his way and, and not letting him score. Yeah. But it, it, it <laughs> felt like there was um, a, a conflict within the players on the, on the court. Like, am I really going to try and like <laughs> clamp down Kobe in his last game? Right. But that was early. Then he starts making and making. Cause he started kind of cool. I want to say he started one for four or something like that. And then he just started making them. And I saw, th- then there was a greater dilemma on the, f- on the faces of the, I think it was the jazz that night. Yep. And they were like, all right, well, we're not going to lose. <laughs> so then they started playing. And then he raised his level. And then yeah. they raised it. And then you get down to the end of the game. And, like, now it was just like old times. Like, yeah. a, a heated, heated battle. And then, of course, he hits, you know, two big free throws at the end. He hits a, game, a go-ahead shot late. And it's like, man, this that's, that's when that game became, like, legendary. Mm-hmm. Because it was close late. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. We want to have fun on this podcast and and talk Broncos, of course, and everything. But I felt it was important to get get our feelings out on the table first. So let's start the podcast now, like we would start a normal podcast. Broncos. 
Sitting in the south stands Drinking the cups from Mile High The best part of the weekend Hugging a perfect stranger As they become a friend Having a good time when the orange and blue W-I-N Tuning in every day with the good folks down at DNVR to the DNVR Broncos podcast and thanks for bearing with us as we start in a it started in a very unorthodox way today but it's a very unorthodox day and probably will be an unorthodox week in the sporting world but let's put that behind us and try to have a normal Broncos podcast from here on out and I want to start today Zach with asking you how your weekend was Aside from the toughness of yesterday. Outside of that, it was uh, it was good. Got up to the mountains, got some outdoors, got a little bit of skiing in. How about you, Ryan? Really good. Buffs, uh, what I should say first, Curtis Blades put the beat oh, down. Oh, my goodness. On Junior Dos Santos. Um, it, it didn't really look like Dos Santos belonged in the ring with him. Mm-mm. I was like, this seems unfair. Uh, and then it was. And Curtis just crushed him and it's crazy because that's not the way that curtis normally he's a he's a wrestler and i saw him talking uh in an interview after about one of his one of like the guys in his corner he's like yeah his job is to count my takedowns i had zero <laughs> like it wasn't a normal fight for him but he still got the knockout that's so our guy that that's is our, our guy so that means that's your guy yeah exactly he's he's part of the family yep um so support curtis we're hoping that he gets a title fight. I, I now that I'm I'm learning about UFC quick. I'm now I'm learning about UFC. I'm learning about rugby. Um, soon I might not even have time for the Bachelor. <laughs> Just kidding. I'll always make time for the Bachelor. Um, apparently it's really crowded at the top of the heavyweight division. So hopefully he gets uh, his chance to fight for the title. But no matter what, he's our guy. He got the knockout. It's pretty awesome. You want to step in a ring with him? Nope. Yeah, no, me neither. I'd like to step on a podcast with him. Hey, that'd be cool. <laughs> Seems like a good middle point for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I was watching that on my phone from the Buffs game, and the Buffs just Curtis bladed Washington, <laughs> just absolutely bludgeoned them. Um. Washington runs this zone defense. It's similar to like Syracuse. You know, when you when you're playing them, you know you're going up against the zone. It's a big challenge. Yep. And the Buffs don't normally play well against zone, so I was very uneasy going in. And they just, I mean, it looked like they were putting on a clinic on how to play a zone offense. Just open threes. They were cashing them, getting it to the high post. Little mid jumper from Tyler Bay. It was amazing. It, they they looked so comfortable and they normally look so uncomfortable can anything stop them if they if they just got past that obstacle themselves oh also washington has a five-star freshman who legitimately looks like a fifth-year nba player <laughs> like i could not believe this kid is 18 years old he's that good he's and polished not not necessarily that he has work to do on his game he just is physically chiseled and he's seven almost seven feet tall and like just i i was in awe i was like how is this person his face even looks older like so he has got a little pac-man going on to him (laughs) a little bit (laughs) but i was just like how is this guy so 
that that was a good challenge. The only thing that could stop the buffs is themselves. It's got to be exciting. Yeah, it is. It's pretty awesome. Rankings come out today. I assume they'll be close to being inside the top twenty. Yep, they were twenty three this weekend. So, um, fun times, fun times. As for the Broncos, um, not a lot of direct news on the Broncos front this weekend. One thing though that happened recently is that the Vikings named officially Gary Kubiak their offensive coordinator. Shocker. No, not really. <laughs> That's been your go-to lately. You love sh- You love shocker not. <laughs> yep, and uh this was about the most obvious move the Vikings were ever going to make, right? And it makes you think, hmm, the Broncos just fired their offensive coordinator because it didn't work out or at least in their mind it didn't work out with Rich Scangarello. They one year ago, right now, Ryan, I think we thought, everyone thought, that Gary Kubiak was the offensive coordinator. In fact, before we even knew who the head coach was, we knew the <laughs> offensive coordinator was going to be Gary Kubiak. Red flag. <laughs> Probably. And then Vic gets in town and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not so sure about that because Gary wanted to bring his crew. Well, now that we sit here... Things have obviously gone well. Please call it by the right name. He wanted to bring his clown car full of assistance. <laughs> the clown car that won him a Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was Peyton Peyton's part of the clown car? Hmm. Yeah, I think he won. No, him. yeah. Von Miller? Maybe maybe they could get Peyton to be the quarterback coach. Uh, this is a real um what's what's the scientific term here? It's causation versus correlation. <laughs> Probably. This is actually a big problem. With the Broncos and just in the NFL in general, mm-hmm. just because you won a Super Bowl does not mean that everything you were doing was the best it could be. And it takes so many teams down. Kobe would hate that. Oh, yeah, he would. <laughs> he would not like that. And uh, so you wonder, did the Broncos make the wrong move? Because clearly things went so well in Minnesota over this past year as Gary Kubiak quote-unquote, wasn't the offensive coordinator. I, I forgot about that. That he like, wasn't? Like, when the Broncos played the Vikings, in my head, I was thinking yeah. that, that Gary was the offensive coordinator. Yeah, and so if the Browns hired Kevin Stefanski because he did a good job calling the plays and designing the offense, I would say, oh, boy, good luck with that yeah. one because that wasn't, that wasn't Stefanski. And Vikings fans will say, no, no, it was, it was, it was. And, and Mike Zimmer will say, no, it was. Ah, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm not buying that. So Gary did a good enough job in that role to officially get the title this year while the Broncos just fired their guy. What's the argument that the Broncos didn't make a mistake? Um. That they don't have the clown car full of assistants. <laughs> um, you got Mike Munchak. He's fantastic. I mean, that alone. And you wouldn't have Mike Munchak you would if not. you had the, the you, clown car full you, of assistants. You would have had Rick Dennison as your offensive line coach. Mm-hmm. Make of that what you will. Um, that is part of it. The other part is like, you just got done with Gary Kubiak's offense, and it was so bad. I, I, I'm i going back to my gut feeling here. I'm, I'm retroactively applying my New Year's resolution to that. And when, the, when that started coming out, that Gary Kubiak was going to be the offensive coordinator, I absolutely hated it. Yeah. 
and not just not it's not that Gary based. It it did have a lot to do with the assistance. I thought that was just asinine. And it also had to do with just the staleness of the organization. It remind it's kind of what we were just talking about. Oh well, this these guys were around for a Super Bowl. Just just bring them back. And it's like stop. You gotta stop thinking that way. You got you, you got to really take a step back and realize most of those guys had nothing to do with the fact that you won a Super Bowl. It was Peyton Manning leading the team, and it was Von Miller going absolutely absurd during the playoffs. And it was having the best secondary probably in Broncos history and all of those things. Like, I'm sorry to um, – I can't even remember the guy's name. The, the um, tight ends coach, Wade Harmon. Was that Wade Harmon or <laughs> sure, something like yep, that? Yep. You didn't. You didn't really help. Sorry. So, for me, it was like they need – they got to move on. They got to move past this. And even if it was still using the same offense, I remember saying, like, at least they got a little younger, which – that's now out the window. But I just felt like the organization needed to move forward, not backward. So who knows how Gary's going to do. And he has a really good, talented offense out there, and he is a genius when it comes to this offense. So I think he's going to do well. But the Broncos got to stop looking in the rearview mirror. they got to be just full steam ahead moving forward. Unsurprisingly, I agree with you, but – it was a mistake. It was a mistake, and I agree with everything you said, yet I'm still saying it was a mistake because John Elway, we found out last week, isn't letting go. He's not letting go of that offense, even after hiring Pat Shermer, who he has a little bit of that offense to his game. He also has a little bit of the Andy Reid offense, maybe a lot of the Andy Reid offense to his game, and you could see him saying, I'm going to completely go the Andy Reid offense, but John Elway's going to say, no, you're not, bud. It, you can do some Andy Reid stuff, but you're also doing this West Coast stuff or, or the, this Gary Kubiak, Mike Shanahan offense because that's what he said last week. John Elway admitted that there is going to be some concepts that are held over, a lot of things held over from the Rich Scangarello offense, and uh, – with that, because John isn't going to let that go, which kind of seemed like a surprise at first, like, oh, good for John. He's letting that go. But because John isn't letting that go, then, yeah, it was a mistake. You should have brought you should have brought the genius in to do exactly what you wanted to do. You should have kept him here. Um, now, a clown car full of assistants. That's I'd rather. Of course, I'd rather have Mike Munchak than Rick Dennison, and maybe you'd rather have all the assistance, but that comes with Gary. And just because the Broncos aren't going to move forward with a truly innovative offense, it seems right now, then yeah, you should have had the, ge the genius here. You should have had Gary Kubiak in here. And then also, Vic Fangio would have been able to do what Vic Fangio wanted. Vic wants to run the defense, then he would have been able to say, you know what? I don't even have to worry about the offense. I can do my own version of Sean McVay. I can turn my back to the offense when they're on the field, and he wasn't able to do that last year. I, I disagree so strongly. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Maybe in a, in a vacuum, that makes sense. In the grand scheme of things, the Broncos have to understand there are more than three families in the world. 
It's not just the Bolins. I guess four. It's not just the Bolins, the Elways, the Kubiaks, and the Shanahans. Mm-hmm. The world spans <laughs> far and wide. I don't think so. And I just like I could see it happening. Okay, Gary Kubiak is the, is the coach, and then some other Kubiak with a first name that starts with a K <laughs> is is the uh, quarterbacks coach. Okay, now well, well, Gary's getting old and he's starting to get sick of coaching. Okay, now Clint, yep, yep Clint Kubiak is the offensive coordinator. <laughs> oh, and look, Klein Kubiak, who's yep. on the scouting staff, he's now the the quarterbacks coach. It's like I could feel the nepotism just oozing out of the entire situation, and I, I feel like it would you would have been caught in this this Boland Kubiak Shanahan Elway cycle for the rest of the time and i just i think it's time to move forward oh hey i agree i, I, I agree i mean you're disagreeing with me i'm agreeing with you you're disagreeing with me i'm agreeing <laughs> it's weird how this works but i agree with you on that uh it, it really is funny when you take a step back and you think uh, there are more than four families out there that that know like football and life and i only bring the bolins into this because they're just a part of this but yeah i actually don't have any negative feelings towards especially Brittany who I think is going to be the owner of this franchise um as for you know the infighting that's going on there it is I guess part of the problem so I can't say like I don't have any negative feelings towards what's going on there but it is I mean for the entirety of the Broncos success it's been four names mm-hmm. and that shows you what John Elway's about he's about doing what's worked in the past. And I agree that's that's not the way that I want to go either, but I think that's the way that John's going to go. If we ever get to talk to Pat Shermer at an introductory press conference, I bet we get a feeling that, yeah, Andy Reid. I, I bet that's played up a little bit, whether Andy Reid's name is said or not, but we're going to let Drew be in the shotgun. We're going to let him uh, you know, throw a lot more, be, be that gunslinger. That's going to be great to hear. I just think over months and months and months from now, before when the season starts, I think John is just going to say, I want a little bit of that, but let's make sure that we're really doing this Kyle Shanahan offense, this Mike Shanahan offense, this Gary Kubiak offense, and that's not what I would do. And and that's why we can agree and also disagree at the same time is because that's not what I would do. But if that is going to happen, then you should have brought the genius in. You, you should have had the genius, the guy that you're comfortable with, the guy that everyone in the organization is going to be on the same level with. So I actually think the opposite's going to happen. Um, I think that when John Elway talks to Pat Shermer, Shermer sells him, hey, oh, we're definitely going to do all that West Coast stuff you love, but you know, I'm an expert on the Andy Reid-style offense. It's going to be the perfect marriage between those two offenses, I think you're really going to love it. John falls in love. He, you know, wakes up and starts firing people and uh, and really gets sold on the idea. And I think in training camp, you're going to see them lining up under center and, and running inside zone and doing all this stuff that John L.A. loves. And then I think Sunday is going to come around and – First couple of times they try to do some runs like that, they aren't going to work because Philip Lindsay isn't necessarily the perfect back for that offense, and he's a much better fit 
for the Andy Reid style offense. So they're going to start running some outside zone. They're going to start gashing teams. And then Drew's going to be in the shotgun, and he's going to start carving teams up. And John is just not going to be able to argue with the results because Shermer is going to go to what he knows, which is further away from that. And they're going to start putting up points in crushing teams. And John's not going to be able to say, hey, what are you doing? Why are you scoring 35 points? I like scoring 21 <laughs> points with a bunch of runs that went for two yards. So you're telling me they're going to practice one thing and then do another on game day. No, they're going to practice everything in the full offense. And then on game day, they're just going to lean towards the stuff that's more on one side of things. So where is John? Is it a second hit in practice? Do they tell John, yeah, we're done for the day and then bring the players back to do all these other things? <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it, the full offense is going to include some of the stuff that John loves, but it's also going to include the Andy Reed style stuff. It's a, you know, it's a hybrid, I think is the way that they're going to tell, they're going to sell it. And, when you get that, when you get out there, we're only going to see the gas engine, not the electric engine. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. But what what's it take? One game of you know the 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 new age offense to quote stall. Maybe they put up 19 points or something in a defensive shootout where they end up losing 20 to 19, uh, and, and then John comes in and puts his foot down. I, I just I hope that it goes the innovative way, and, and I hope. It's really interesting because with Pat Shermer, they can do either. They can kind of go heavy Gary Kubiak offense. They could go heavy Andy Reid offense, and we don't really know. John clearly pulls to, to the Kubiak-Shanahan offense, and maybe Vic, he wants to be aggressive. He wants to throw the ball downfield, so he would err toward the Andy Reid. In the end, until I see it, I just I have to side with what John wants. Not what I would do, not what you would do. Probably not what Vic would do, but until I see it, I just have to side with that. And then to me, that tells me, well, if you're bringing in a guy that can do one thing 80% or two things 80% efficient and well, might as well just brought in the guy that can do that one thing that isn't as sexy or fun 100% well. Fair. That's fair. Again, not the move I would make, but if John said, Zach, we are doing this offense, who do you want? Do you want Rich Gangarello for a year and then Pat Shermer, who we are going to make run more of this offense, or do you want Gary Kubiak? I'm choosing Kubiak. The crazy, th <laughs> the crazy thing is it's very clear to see that like John Owe has changed his mind on these things. Mm -hmm. Like As much as we say like it's his offense – if, it, if that's what you wanted so badly, you would have hired Kyle Shannon or at least offered him the job. Yep. And it's just so like we talk about that so definitively now, but it's not like Mike McCoy was running that offense. No, he wasn't. He was running actually closer to what Pat Shermer does, which we all kind of uh, oh conveniently like to ignore. <laughs> yeah. um, but – it's just uh, there was a it's it's like when things fail and i think that's human nature when new things don't work you are tied to go back to what used to work mm -hmm. it's like you break up with this girl and uh, drink you hit the open market and you're going out to the bars 
and all of a sudden you're just like, man, all those girls that I thought were looking at me when I was in a relationship weren't actually looking at me. <laughs> and uh, the girls that I have met and hung out with ever since then are like uh, just not as cool. Mm-hmm. And I know we had all those relationship problems, but it's comforting to know that someone out there really does care about me. And so then you have a few too many drinks and you send them a text <laughs> and you wake up in their bed the next morning <laughs> because that's, that's what you're used to. Yeah. And, and then you get into an argument and you realize why you left in the first place. <laughs> exactly. Beautifully said. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I actually think that's a good place to, uh, to end that conversation. So before we move on, Big shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. Keep your eyes peeled this week. Interesting, uh, interesting stuff going on with Breckenridge Brewery and the good folks down at DNVR. Um, mm. So keep just keep your eyes open. <laughs> really cool stuff. And um, drink Breckenridge beers. And when you're waiting for some cool stuff to go on, pass the time by visiting The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com, order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online, and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. And use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. And I'm sure the time will fly right by. Or In my down. personal experience, <laughs> the, the opposite happens. So maybe wait a day to visit the Green Solution. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, hop into the questions here and see what the people have to say from the weekend that was. How many comments do we have, Zach? We have 23 comments. Oh, it was a quiet weekend. It was a quiet weekend in, in the Broncos world. And the first one is coming in from Rob. He says, guys, lox and bagels, food you can eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. My wife's family does this regularly. Drew lox and bagels? <laughs> what, um, would, what would the bagels part be to Drew? Hmm. Like It's Cortland Sutton. It's not Cortland bagels you definitely don't want no one in sports wants bagel associated with them because that's a zero right uh, you're right unless there was a player on the team who wears it can you wear zero in the nfl i don't think so which is know. a shame yeah that's weird i never thought of that before no um i think zero should be a wild card number anyone can wear it mm, i'd love that the one wild card number how cool would it be if like Terrence Knighton wore zero? <laughs> yep. Speaking of Terrence Knighton, and I'm going to take us oh. off on a tangent here, so apologies in advance. I watched the entire 2013 <laughs> AFC Championship. That's what I did with my Friday night. Like I looked, I needed to look in the mirror after that. I was like, <laughs> I have a problem, but I'm okay with it. I uh, we had that conversation on Friday, and I just couldn't get it off my mind. I was like, I need to watch this game. So I spent my entire Friday night watching the game start to finish. Zach, it was like I was seeing the game for the first time. <laughs> I for sure thought that when I watched the game, I would be like, oh, I remember that play and that play right. and this thing. and that. I don't know. I've been doing an investigation throughout the week, texting my friends, <laughs> trying to figure out what I was doing for that game. Did you ever find out? I have nothing. Actually, one of my friends was like, this is an absurd question. I can't even believe you're asking me this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, sorry. Any chance you slept through it? No, I, 
There's no way. <laughs> no. In fact, I I have one memory. And my memory was after the game telling my friends next week we had or for the game for the Super Bowl, we have to go to Blake Street Tavern. Mm. Like so I know I was in Boulder because I remember lamenting the fact that I wasn't like partying in the streets of Denver. Yeah. So I was like, the Super Bowl, we have to go to Blake Street Tavern. I want to be down there. I want to like go see people like flip cars over when we win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and um, yeah, the rest was history. But there were cars being flipped over, but for different reasons. I, I didn't remember a single thing. I don't know what happened. That was when Wes Welker blew up to leave. To leave, yes. Yep. Really, some really interesting stuff. Terrence Knighton was like Von Miller in the Super Bowl levels of disruptive. In fact, maybe even more. He was unblockable. He had multi, I think he had two sacks Whew. in the game. Was that his second to last game with the Broncos? Yeah. Because after that is when he wanted to go get paid. Yeah. And because of that game. That game, man. They could not run the ball. The, Bron- the Broncos defense didn't have Von Miller, Derek Wolf. Chris Harris Jr. and Kevin Vickerson, who was a starter on the defensive line at the beginning of the season. And they had the Patriots at three points in the fourth quarter. Like the Patriots, if Tom Brady's in his prime, it was unbelievable. And like it was full on game wrecker status from Terrence Knighton. Um, you had Champ Bailey out there. I hate to say this, he didn't impact the game. Yeah. Like, it was crazy to just see, you know, I think when we're, when you're in it, you're like, he's Champ Bailey. He's Champ. <laughs> Seeing it from this perspective, from way removed, I was like, Champ isn't – DRC is the best corner on this team. Without a doubt. Um, It was just like a hodgepodge of pass rushers, and, and I just couldn't believe what I was watching. I'm like – Paris Lennon is, like, making big plays. You know who else made big plays in that game? Monte Ball. Mm. <laughs> if I didn't watch that game, I could have gone the rest of my life thinking Monte Ball never made a big play for the Broncos ever. Yep. And he had, like, multiple first down runs, and I, I, don't, I didn't remember that at all, like, ever for anything he did in his career. It's crazy when you go and look at the talent, not just that was heard on the defensive side of the ball, but the talent on the offensive line – that Peyton Manning had. Of course, everyone remembers Manny Ramirez with that first snap in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he did have his, his his receiving core. He had DT, Decker, Wes Welker, Julius Thomas, but that was it. And, and you, of course, had Peyton Manning, the best quarterback of all time ever with that season he had just had. But then that was it. You had Terrence Knighton as your star on defense. It was truly incredible what that team did. And then now you look back on it and you remember all of those injuries, and that can be you know somewhat to blame for the, that awful Super Bowl. That wasn't talked about. That wasn't felt. It was just, nope, got Peyton. It's Doesn't okay. Matter. Does Yeah. And I totally now understand why everyone was so overconfident going into the Super Bowl because of what they did to the Patriots. Yeah. I'm like, no one can – I would have been like, nobody can beat this team. It's just impossible. Yep. Another thing I noticed is that Peyton, um, I've never thought of this. One of his skills was that the heart, this is going to sound like a slight, I think, but it's not. The hardest he could throw was still like very catchable, but also hard enough. It was like this perfect happy medium, like, cause you would see him rear back and rip in a slant route, but it wouldn't, 
you know, if Drew Locke threw a ball as hard as he could on a eight, you know, an eight yard route, it's not getting caught. Right. Peyton would throw it as hard as he could, and it was still really catchable. Mm-hmm. It was like he had this perfect happy medium of doesn't have a elite arm, doesn't have a weak arm, just like this perfect catchable area. One yep. thing I noticed, but cr- I mean, it was just crazy to see the Broncos just. I feel like that that game is way too forgotten about. Mm-hmm. It was a they just in the middle of a dynasty, just wiped the floor with the Patriots. We talk a lot about what what happened in 2015. Right. It's it was not nearly as cool as the other game, which was just a beatdown. And it's because of what happened after. Yep. It was a beatdown on the other side, and what happened after 2015 was a beatdown by the Broncos. And so that's, of course, the the one that you remembered. Ryan, could you imagine what we would be remembering and uh, what that 2013 season would be if they did pull off that Super Bowl, if they did win that? And maybe they don't win 2015 because then John says, okay, we don't need a great defense. We can just do it on the off. It, it's, it's crazy how that season would be remembered differently. And then what would happen the following two seasons? Don't you think, though, the chances of them – well, obviously, so maybe I shouldn't even ask. But the chances of them winning multiple go up exponentially if they win that one because John Fox isn't planning his escape route mm. in 2014. And same with Jack Del Rio. And so everyone's all hands on deck for that season. You have to imagine that they're not overlooking the Colts as much – or maybe not just overlooking, but they're focusing on the Colts – could you imagine a head coach that's not really paying attention to a playoff game? What that does to your organization? Yeah, it's terrible. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, you, you probably do side with the Broncos in, in 2014 as well. Yep. And then they probably don't fire John Fox. John Fox probably earns five more years, which yep. is... Eh, eh. <laughs> you know something that I think about John Fox? What? Despite the fact that he was so conservative and being conservative with Peyton Manning as your quarterback drives me nuts. At least he knew who he was and he stuck to it all the time. Mm-hmm. I think there's really something to be said for that. Yeah. It's so much better than being half one way and half the other. In what way? In terms of you never have to decide. You know where you stand on a play before it happens. And your team knows where you stand. Yep. They, know they might hate get, it, right? but they know mm, fourth and one at the 48, we're probably not going for it. Yep. And so you know on third down. And, uh, yeah, and that's something we've talked about, Ryan. That's, that's something that you've said your team would know from the moment that you, that you were hired is we're going to be an aggressive team, we're going to be a conservative team, we're always going to go for it, we're never going to go for it. And I agree because that, man, when you have Vance Joseph come out and say, you know, we're always going for it, and then the next week they're in the exact same position, and they don't do that. Or you just look at the team this past year and how sometimes they're conservative, sometimes they're aggressive. That's got to throw everyone off. When's the last time you remember like a Monday after Sunday, people being like, you know what, Coach X, is he's just too aggressive. Just trust his team too much. No. <laughs> that never happened. No. Like, you, if you could go back and look at all the situations this year in which a team was tied – or winning and went for it on fourth down on the plus side, I bet you at least 90% of those teams won the game. 
Mm-hmm. Like you got like you're up by one, right? And you have fourth and one at the thirty-nine. There's two minutes left on the clock, or let's even say there's one minute left on the clock. You know, we get this one yard, the game is over. Or you punt it to them and you give them a chance. Like, how is that even a decision? Do what you don't want to be done to you. Yes. And whatever you're afraid of, do that. But it's that word. It's afraid. It's these coaches are scared. And that's why we can look at one of the teams in the Super Bowl right now, the San Francisco 49ers. John L or John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan got to do what they wanted to do because they were given six-year contracts. They were said that they were told by that six-year contract, okay, it may be tough, but do this the right way. And so they weren't afraid to let go of players that were going to help them that following year, but not going to help them three years down the road. They they weren't afraid to trade a second-round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. They weren't afraid to make all of the choices that they did. And then that also goes down into game management type stuff. Kyle Shanahan's probably not afraid to go for it on fourth and one in a riskier situation because he's not coaching for his job. If he does that three times in a season and loses all three, he's not worried that he's going to get fired at the end of a season. And there's so many times where football coaches and and people inside an organization are afraid and they say, well, not necessarily what's best for the team, what's best for me. If I'm aggressive and it doesn't work out, I look stupid. If I'm conservative and it doesn't work out, oh, well, it wasn't that, it wasn't a bold decision. That's what most people would have done type of thing. Exactly. And that's, that's an issue. I would say to my head coach, do do what do what wins, and uh, when you fire coaches all the time, that's that's hard to convince them of. I think across the world, a lot of mistakes that are made are made out of fear. Definitely, fear of rejection, fear of being wrong, fear of failure. Failure, yeah. I think that's that's huge. If you can take fear out of the uh, out of the equation, I think everyone would think a lot with a lot more clear mind. Yeah. Okay, we've only gotten through one question. <laughs> so let's get to Darrow 22. Uh, it's a question for Mace, we, who is sick today. Um, so we hope he feels better. And also, we're thinking about him with uh, the loss of his dog. Yes. George. Very, yes. Um, so we're thinking of you, Mace. Um, he says, who would you take before Kinlaw as your dream pick at 15? A lot of analysts have the Broncos taking rugs because of our need at receiver. Since his class is so deep at receiver, would you pass on rugs for Kinlaw? I'm thinking both Judy and Lamb will be gone, so the next best would be Rugs in this scenario. Do we need to talk about this more in a serious light about Jerry Judy being there at 15? Because for us, it's been, would you be willing to trade a first-round pick to move up to get him? You say maybe, I say no. Second-round pick, I think we all say yes. But Daniel Jeremiah, who, who is a great draft guy, his first mock draft has Jerry Judy to the Broncos at 15. Yeah, so I hate um, not going to be there Twitter, which mm-hmm. is just like, no matter who you say, they're not going to be there. <laughs> um, he's not going to be there. <laughs> because in his mock draft, I remember right, he has one wide receiver off the board before Judy, and it's CeeDee Lamb at like 11 or 12, I think. Yep. Do you think, oh, and it's to the Raiders. The Raiders make that mistake. And let Jerry Judy fall. Do you think just multiple receivers go, or do you think the Raiders, whoever that team is that picks first receiver, it's Judy instead of CD? It just has to be. I mean, you got to be crazy if you don't make that pick. 
Um, but I'll say this. I can say that he won't be there, and he, he could very easily be there. I mean, the truth is I learned a, a, a lesson last year. I said there's no way you're getting Drew Locke in the second round. Stuff happens. And I even said, I'll own up to this, if he falls to the second round, something's wrong, and you better uh, really perk your ears up and figure out what's wrong with him. You know, it turns out the thing that was wrong with was the GMs. That's there was something wrong with them, not not Drew Locke. And that's exactly the route I was going to go down. Was the NFL just is wrong a lot of times? Denzel, it, it, let's go back another draft. Ryan, John Elway told us that they did not ever draw out a scenario where Bradley Chubb fell to them at five. Excuse me? You were the fifth pick in the first round, and you didn't. They, they, they should have had Baker Mayfield falling to them, who was the number one overall. They should have had every single player fall to them by doing that. I'm pretty sure there's a website that you can go and put five <laughs> things in and just say, randomize these. Yes. And give me every combination. And then they should have just done that with the five or the t- 10 players who could have gone in the top five. And that's that's what should have happened. Yep. <laughs> and so right there, that's an admission of the NFL in terms of the Broncos being wrong on not doing a full evaluation, right? Uh, when the Cleveland Browns drafted Denzel Ward over Bradley Chubb, pretty much the entire NFL said, what are you doing drafting him? We'll still see who was right, whether it was the Browns or what is everyone else being right about Denzel Ward over Bradley Chubb. But that's another thing where no one really expected Bradley Chubb to fall to them. Certainly the Broncos didn't. No one expected Drew Locke to fall. So Jerry Judy, I don't think he'll be there. But, man, if he's there, that's that's my ideal pick. That's my ideal pick. Going along the lines of um, – I guess that's my ideal pick. Yeah. Me too. But I do really like Kinlaw too. So the Ruggs Kinlaw conversation is um, pretty interesting. We're going to find out about Kinlaw and how serious of an option he is way before the draft. If the Broncos go out and sign Derek Wolf and Chris Jones, you could take Kinlaw right off the board. If they don't sign anyone or they sign Derek Wolf to a $5 million per year contract and that's it. He's a big-time possibility. So I think that one's going to work itself out in the next month or so. Absolutely. As I predicted, my buffs, number 20. Hey, congratulations. Are you satisfied with that? Not really, because if you look at the resumes of all these teams, the buffs are so much better than some of the teams that are ranked above them. But Are the other teams more storied? Yeah, it's, recently, and they least? started higher. So if you're winning, but like yeah. there's a – who was I looking at this week? Um Texas Tech, who was a Final Four team last year, got you know uh, the benefit of the doubt going into the season. Yeah. They were ranked number eighteen. They hadn't the way that it's broken up in in these days in, in college basketball is like quad one wins, quad two wins, quad three wins, quad four wins, etc. They had zero quad one wins, and the Buffs have five. Ooh. I'm just like they That's haven't big time. beaten anyone just yep. because they haven't lost that much, and they had even lost like eight games or something. So, well, you hope that the Buffs get the opposite treatment in five years when they've been so good for five years that it takes them a while to slip. The good news is the rankings literally mean nothing except for it just looks cool when it comes across yep. the bottom line. It's all about your resume when you get to the tournament. 
and all there's that but that's the thing that bothers me is there's so many teams ahead of them that when it comes tournament time the buffs are going to get a better seed than them it's pretty sweet to have a number by them though it is and it love, keeps climbing love the number next one coming in from romica did i get that right romo ca romo ka okay <laughs> after spending the last three months listening to the podcast i decided to subscribe and comment i even started watching the bachelor this past week and it is actually pretty good boom i am team kelly all the way okay anyways i was wondering how much you would need to pay to keep some of the smaller free agents such as tim patrick Devonte harris trey marshall Dion spencer mike purcell elijah wilkinson Devonte bosby and jeremiah atachu and Are all these guys free agents? What I'll say, I think a lot of these guys, if they're all free agents, I don't know if Tim Patrick is, but with these guys, a lot of them are probably RFAs mm-hmm. uh, or ERFAs, exclusive which means, rights. yeah, exclusive rights guys, they're on your team no matter what. You're paying a minimum next year anyways. Um, and restricted guys, no one jumps out on this list that they would be a high. Mike Purcell tag. was a one would have been a one-year deal? I don't think so. Maybe because he was such a late ad. I'll look at these guys right now. Okay. Um, the, the the answer is not much. Not much at all. Um, of all these guys, I think Purcell would cost you the most if you had to pay him. Um, and then maybe Jeremiah Atachu, but just because pass rush ability is so coveted in today's NFL. Uh, but pennies compared to some of the stuff you have to pay other guys. Uh-oh, here we go. I'm pulling it up right now. Um, I, I do wonder how much Mike Purcell would be, and he is an RFA. So you put a late tender on him. He's here for cheap. Um, all of these other guys, De- uh, Devontae Bosby, he's an RFA. So, again, he'll be here. Jeremiah Tachu, uh, an un- uh, unrestricted guy. He's probably coming back for a small amount. Yep. So you're not paying any of these guys big money. Really, the biggest question mark would be Theo Riddick. Because, you know, we know Shelby, Derek, Chris. Those are all going to be high-priced guys. There's not going to be many middle guys here. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. From I heard everything you said, everyone always feels like the new thing is unstoppable, Patrick Mahomes. I remember Vic being unstoppable. No one thought he could be stopped. I remember the Broncos having the best offense ever. No one thought it could be stopped. This is a small example of a for a reason. Right now, it may feel like Mahomes is going to every Super Bowl from now till forever. But remember, defenses always, and I mean always, adjust to stop what the new trend is. The reason I kept the examples above short is because I want to hear from you guys what the best new thing that couldn't be stopped memories are. Well, quarterbacks are different. And Mike, Mike Vick is a good one. He did seem unstoppable, and then he certainly slowed down <clears throat> for a variety of reasons. And uh, guys that weren't stopped, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Peyton Manning. If you're a well, great. Those guys were stopped, though. Not long term. They, they could be stopped. It just depends on what your definition of stopped is. I think Drew Brees has been stopped countless times. But not long term. Like it's, mean, not, it's not like they're figured out. No, they're not figured out, but there is something to be said for when they end up going up against the best defenses in the playoffs, because usually those teams are there, they end up getting stopped. But not long-term. It's not like they're figured out. And that that's the way I'm taking this, is that I heard everything you said is saying that the NFL will catch up to Patrick Mahomes and then he'll be slowed down kind of like on a career path. I... 
yes, our, our every player has been slowed down or stopped at times. I'm looking at more of a career view. Patrick Mahomes is always going to be in the top five, and that's even being generous, of passing yards and points being scored. I agree with that. There's No one's ever going to be able to say, like, oh, we, we, we are able to just shut down that offense. We found the key. It was over. But what's to be seen is can they consistently keep the defense good enough? Can they consistently keep his weapons good enough to be the one of the better teams in the league every year? Then I don't, I don't think that matters. I think he's that good. I think he's that good. But in terms of what? In he's ter- always going to be in the Super Bowl. He's going to win all the Super Bowls. He's a guaranteed double-digit wins. He's likely an 11-win guy and really a, a 12-win guy. I every, agree. Every single year. And so that means what? You're flirting with a first-round buy every single year, and uh, then you're flirting with being in the conference championship game every single year. And my whole thing with, with Patrick Mahomes last week and feel the exact same way now isn't how many Super Bowls he's going to win. It is that 50% mark that great quarterbacks win the division outside of Tom Brady. I think he's going to be above that. I think there's a chance that he can be above that. I don't think it's going to be anything crazy like 90% or 80%. But 60% I could see for sure. He's one stupid offside penalty away from going to -to back-to-back Super Bowls in his first two years as a starter and being an MVP. Yeah. (laughs) You can always always pull uh, little facts like that. All that matters is what really happens. Uh, No, I can't pull facts like that. that, He's the only one to do it if he wins the Super Bowl this year. He's the youngest person to ever do that. Drew Locke is one snowstorm away from being undefeated. (laughs) I can say that. Next one coming in from Iceman. He says, hey, friends, good to hear the DNVR three amigos today. Welcome back, Dre and Mace. There were so many good takes made this episode. I should have written them all down to respond. Super Bowl 54. I will wait until after the lame arse bowl on Sunday. Not for me. Taking Miss Iceman to see The Grudge, her favorite type of movie. Go Broncos, Drew, and DNVR. What? Is that a horror movie? It was in like 2005. <laughs> Is there another one? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But real, what do you have against the Super Bowl? I think it's going to be fantastic. Uh, I think he was talking about uh, the Oh, the Pro, Pro Bowl. Bowl. Okay, yeah. yeah. Do you watch any of that? Zero seconds. Zero. No. And, and of course, I mean, with the news of Kobe, it I have to imagine that took away from a lot of the viewing. And that's probably a favor to the NFL because – no one, any person who watches that is. I saw a highlight on Twitter of a Cortland Sutton catch. I'm putting highlight in very serious <laughs> air quotes. It was easier than practice by a long shot. Wow, just no defense. Just jogged, turned around, caught oh, it, stepped out of bounds. Disgusting. Do you know who the MVP was? I didn't know this until it was on the TV as we were recording this. Nope. Calais Campbell. Wow, I had so, no, I, I literally never heard that. So shout out to our Denver guy. I'm for sure that you were gonna say it. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I saw <laughs> oh right, nope. I think he had a strip sack. Congrats. Yeah. Um, I think Vaughn Vaughn had a sack. Okay, news to me. One eighth of as many as he had in the regular season. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> From Flying Kiwi, how are we, gents? Thought of the podcast last night while walking past a food market, 
stall selling barbecued tarantulas no. and other arachnids no. in Bangkok. No. Suffice to say, I did not indulge, especially with the news that the Chinese coronavirus has been found to have been started by people eating bats. Wow. There was a pic- uh, picture on Twitter of like a bat in food that was like for this article about it and it almost sent me i was disgusted is it like was it a bat steak was it a bat burger i think bat stew oh and like there's just a whole ass bat in there oh no yeah oh no like a bay leaf or something you just (laughs) put it in there to kind of marinate the flavors Oh, oh, now people are getting sick from it. Like, obviously. Right. Yeah. That's how I feel about arachnids, too. I don't think arachnids can, like, contract viruses like that. But it's still gross. Oh, man. Yeah. So for all our people in China, I hope you stay safe. And now it's made its way to the U.S., it seems like. So. Colorado. Yeah. So, yeah. Something of uh, that. Seeing that picture. Oh, I never gave me a whole different perspective. <laughs> I never. I'm not even going to go into the details of what actually made it more gross than it just being in there. Oh, no. But, like, why are we doing that? <laughs> yeah. We got chickens for a reason. Hopefully we stop doing that. We don't have to eat everything. No, we certainly don't. Oh, boy. Uh, so add that to the list of things I will never try. I thought you said you'd try everything. Nope. <laughs> Making an exception. We'll never try that. Guaranteed Is no chance. Is this the one exception? Or would you, would you try a tarantula burger? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't. I can't. I, I don't physically think. can't. <laughs> I don't think I would. I really don't. The sack. It's really, that's what's getting me. Oh, God. The thought of having to bite into that is not oh my not doing God. it for me. Could you imagine if you bit into it and all these crawling? No, stop, stop. <laughs> That's a nightmare. I'm not even the That's spider guy my here. Nightmare that tonight. makes me sick. Uh, okay. He says, question for you guys. In the upcoming draft, do you think that somewhat paradoxically, there is a possibility that due to a fantastic amount of depth in wide receiver uh, in the wide receiver and offensive tackle positions, the likes of Judy and Lamb as well as Thomas and Worth slip further in the draft than expected due to teams knowing that there will still be fantastic p- prospects available in these positions on day two in the draft. The laws of economics say that this should be the case, but I think we all know that NFL teams don't always behave rationally. See... Where I think that the the thinking is wrong here is that you can get quote unquote fantastic prospects in day two. No, you can't even get fantastic prospects at the end of day one. I don't think. Right. What you can get is a great value in day two. But when when you say fantastic, I think elite. Mm -hmm. And typically, if you're in the top five, you should be getting elite talent if you draft right. In the top ten. You can get elite talent. At 15, you shouldn't be getting elite talent. No, there's just not enough. So you're going to uh, – and maybe this is the year actually where you could get an elite guy at wide receiver. Mm-hmm. And I would just hate taking the third tackle off the board. That I would too. That makes me cringe a little bit. Mm-hmm. And maybe you get lucky because the Saints once took the second tackle off the board and he was much better than the first one. Yep. But – there has to be some luck involved. Um, and like, this is why a guy like LaVisca Chenault is so intriguing because he is an elite prospect. 
but there's a reason that he's not going to go in the top five. And so you have a chance to get him at 15. Heck, Daniel Jeremiah has him falling all the way to 30. That's where, like, you can get an elite prospect, but you know that there's red flags surrounding them. So teams who have need at tackle would be insane, in my opinion, to say to say early on in the draft, eh, we don't need the, the best tackle on the board. We can get the fifth best tackle on the board tomorrow. No, yeah, you, you got to get the elite now, especially if you can get one at 15. Right, and I'm just talking about, like, because he said they could fall because teams are thinking they can wait. Like, the, right. those teams up in the top 10, if you if you think Tristan Wurst is the best tackle and you're picking at nine and he's there, and you're like, oh, no, we'll just get that other guy tomorrow. That's a terrible way of thinking. I think with wide receivers, that could happen. It's a bad decision to make, but I think it could happen. That's how Judy falls to 15. Yeah. And if that happens, please don't overthink it. No. No, don't have your Alabama bias. All right, he finishes by saying a few housekeeping items. I remember being able to buy Pop-Tarts for a brief period of time when I was young and living in Melbourne, but it is too long ago to be able to rank them. I vaguely remember quite liking some sort of chocolate-flavored one. Unfortunately, I never thought to eat them when I lived in the U.S. in 2009 and haven't seen them in Australia or New Zealand. I fly in and out of Singapore once a month, so I know Changi Airport very well. My favorite feature is not one that you ever read about. Feel free to... uh, It's the free... Leg massage chair scattered all over the terminals. Two down under cuisines for you guys to add to your list. Pavlova and flat white coffees. Australians and New Zealanders argue over who invented both of these. uh, And both absolutely insist they are right. But who really cares? Both are amazing. I, I know that Starbucks serves a flat white. Do you know what it is? I think it's literally just like a latte or macchiato. At least it's Starbucks. So I, I don't think that they're actually doing whatever it is. I do think I've read recently what it was. I like Sometimes I get really sick of my order at Starbucks. I'm like, I got to try something else. And I was just like looking at what a flat white was. And I'm pretty sure it was just like milk and espresso. <laughs> yeah, which is a latte or a macchiato. Maybe like more milk than normal. Okay, so it's watered it down. Like flat. <laughs> and also make it white. If you're doing, uh, you know, 2% or whole milk. I think we solved it. <laughs> you want to take the next one? Yeah. I'm next, actually going to Google what a flat white is. <laughs> next one coming in from Larry Den Jr. I truly 100% believe 2021 to 2023 is our Super Bowl window. And building this team to compete for championships, so much is being ignored. Why are we not talking about how after necessary cuts, we actually have almost 90 plus million dollars in cap space, not 60 cut Flacco, Leary Hireman and lose weight like like Billy Wynn, Kyle Pecco, etc. Or trading some day two picks to get and pay Trent Williams and huge important pickups. Why are we not talking about bringing Case Keenum best of his career in this system? <clears throat> because no one in the locker room likes him. That's a good point. Has a great uh team mentor for drew lock etc and danny trevathan what we have said trevathan with that said we make the playoffs earn a super bowl window if number one we contribute with b plus or better drafts and we grab trevathan keenum trent williams chris jones or eric armstead and retain and replace chris and 100 retain justin simmons we got the money we got the picks let's do this love everything you said except for case keenum that's also case keenum isn't making or breaking your team. I don't want Case Keenum around here. I don't think 
the Broncos. And no one else does. Okay, a flat white. We were only exactly wrong about it. <laughs> oh, no. A flat white is a coffee drink. Well, not exactly wrong. Consisting of espresso with microfoam, which is steamed milk with small, fine bubbles and a glossy or velvety consistency. So I'm thinking like kind of like the cold foam okay. thing stuff. Okay. Um, except warm. Uh, he said it's comparable to a latte, but smaller in volume and with less microfoam, therefore having a higher proportion of coffee to milk. So the opposite of what I said. And the milk is more velvety in consistency, allowing the espresso to dominate the flavor while being supported by the milk. I think we were exactly we were exactly right. No. It's, it's a freaking macchiato or a latte. I don't think macchiato uses steamed milk, does it? Well, I have no idea. Oh, actually, I think it does. Maybe it less steamed? It doesn't use little microfoam. Come on. I think that's a joke. It's a different version of the same thing. But I said right. that more milk than coffee, it's actually more and coffee actually than milk. it's actually less. Okay. Man, I saw... And macchiatos have a, so much milk. Yeah. One time I watched them make my like venti macchiato uh, and they poured sad. like half a jug of milk into my oh, cup. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I really don't need that much dairy. You're like, uh, you didn't forget my coffee, did you? And then they come and put like the little dribble of coffee <laughs> on top. <laughs> it's so depressing. Yeah. You're like, wow, I'm literally drinking a half gallon of milk <laughs> with a splash of coffee in it and some caramel. Man, when people, do you ever just get espresso shots? At Starbucks, at a place. No. Yeah, I I couldn't do that, man. When you pay like five bucks and this little teeny cup comes out, that's sad. Yeah, I once saw a guy order six oh espresso gosh. shots oh in a cup. Gosh. Did he just down it? And the funny thing is he walked in and um, the girl was like, six? He's like, yep. Oh, my gosh. So it's a daily thing? Yep. Wow. And he just walked out with his little cup full of six espresso. Oh drinks. my gosh! Does he share it with his family? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. He goes home and makes portioning it makes, out. Makes uh, <laughs> flat whites for the family. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I need like some. That's why I drink americanos. Like I need something to right. just make it more drinkable. Yep. And I ice, agree. of course. Yep. Oh, of course. Boy, where where do we even leave off? From Count Locula. What happened to predictability? The milkman, the paperboy, evening TV, love the count. I think uh, Mace needed yeah, to for that confused. one. Left hook Larry says, hey, guys, what is our record this year if we have Shermer from the beginning? Would Joe Flaccid have been any better under his offense? No. Yeah, no. It's probably a blessing that last year worked out the way it did. I will say, like, the 0-4 start was fluky. So you never know. If you change one variable, maybe they win one or two of those games. Yeah. It's better. It's probably better. It's for the best. For the best, because then do we ever see Drew? Final two games, maybe? Yeah. And John is even more hesitant than Justin Herbert, who just won the week in practice at the Senior Bowl and then was named the MVP of the game. Then he's even more on John's radar, if he's not already. <sighs> I could be so wrong about Justin Herbert. I mean, I was really wrong about Josh Allen. Yeah, we, we were. That. We both were. Um, I just, I really, really do not see it. And now people are talking about the Bengals. Oh, my gosh. That, like, I feel like I'm being put in a joke every time I hear <laughs> something about this. This can't be real, right? Oh, it can. I mean, I think you mentioned it a month or two ago. 
about what if the Bengals bangle this? And I just, no way. There's no way. They can't. They've got the local guy. Like, that's the yes. thing that I mean. Like, yes. if it was the other way around, Justin Herbert was from Cincinnati. Right. And Joe Burrow was from California. I'm assuming yeah. Justin Herbert's from. Um, uh, I could see that. I could see them getting in their heads. But, like, you're getting the local guy, the number one overall pick, who was the Heisman winner and set all the records. <laughs> it's too obvious, huh? Yeah, it, it is. I cannot. If these actually continue to pick up. Oh my gosh! Wouldn't they? Wouldn't? I think they're playing that wrong. If this picks up, even if you want Justin Herbert, you pretend like you really want Joe Burrow, right? So you can finesse someone out yep. of the number one pick. Yep. If you are the Washington Redskins and Joe Burrow falls to you, it seems like you're committed to Dwayne Haskins. Do you trade it? Do you keep Dwayne? Do you draft Joe Burrow? What do you do? Kyler Murray. It. Yeah. Draft him and, and trade Haskins. And I like Haskins. I think. Yeah. You trade him for a second round pick and you don't care. You don't care that you just lost value. Re- I mean, you really don't care. <laughs> nope. Um, from the real links. Hey, guys. Been a while. With the debut of the XFL ac- approaching, I do have some questions for you. Well, as XFL experts, we're here to answer. <laughs> one, if you were to name one thing that could get you to watch a full game, what is it? Joe Burrow playing in the xfl um there's there's no one thing there's not i mean especially at the beginning of a season maybe i don't know if what they're gonna have a super bowl or something a championship game if like two quarterbacks meet and they're balling out and it seems like one of them is i don't even know how they'd move to the nfl would it be in the supplemental draft no, probably not. It'd probably just be free agency. Yeah, I don't remember. I remember Tommy Maddox won XFL MVP, and then the next year he was a starting quarterback for the Steelers, was doing really well until he got injured. That's when Ben came in and took yep. him. Yep. Maybe that's what it would be, is just a quarterback balling out or two quarterbacks balling out. Yeah, and it also would probably have to be someone I know. Paxton Lynch? Sure. I would, that would probably get me. And he says, too, if Paxton Lynch went to the XFL, where do you think he would rank among QBs? How could we possibly answer that? <laughs> can you name me all the other? I cannot name you one player in the XFL. I couldn't either. And I'm sure I, I've seen something about it. but I was actually going to say, oh, my gosh, why is his name slipping my mind? Former cornerback, wide receiver combo for the Broncos, third-round pick, Brandon Langley. Oh, yes. I was going to say him, but no, he's in the NFL. He didn't even follow the XFL. He didn't. No, Seattle Seahawks practice squad at the end of the year. No, or maybe regular roster. I don't remember. Good for him. Good for yes. him. Yes. Threes for Mr. B. Four, do you think this league could help players who flamed out in the NFL to get another shot or show off their strengths other at a level other than college? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, just look at Devontae Bosby. Exactly. Four, now this is a bit out there, but if Trevor Simeon played in the XFL, would you watch a game, Zach? Probably. <laughs> uh, he's too good for that, though. That makes me less likely to watch. Oh, wow. Because there's just no sex appeal? I would actively avoid watching <laughs> Trevor Simeon play quarterback in any situation. Would you want him as your backup quarterback yes. in, in the NFL? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair, then. Yeah. Although the injury thing, I mean, it really put the, put the Jets in a place they <laughs> couldn't get out of that they lost their starter, and then he got injured in the first quarter of the first game he was playing. Yeah. With a brutal injury. Yep, but like he had almost the same injury the year before, and I remember a high-level Broncos source saying, "Man, he does not know how to take a hit." Hmm. Yeah, and that that is something that some players can learn, but or it's just a thing that you have or don't have. Yep. 
Five, who would benefit most from playing in the XFL? Just really good college players who the NFL doesn't think is a fit for them. Like a Philip Lindsay, if he weren't to have gotten an opportunity um, as a UDFA? Something like sort that. Sort of deal? Yeah, or... Guys that can play, but don't have some trait that the NFL thinks is necessary. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe a guy is like a nose tackle, but he's so big. The NFL is like, we don't want to deal with this project of getting him into shape. He goes there, right. works really hard, gets into shape, and becomes dominant. It's really true. Next one coming in from Bobby Lanks. Mace, very sorry to hear about the event with your dog. That makes me cry. That makes me cry every time. That's always tough. Thoughts are with your family. I heard a lot about Montez last week, but I was always more interested in Taylor from CU. How was he? I was hoping he could be a late-round snag for the Broncos. Your thoughts? Yeah, bring this one back tomorrow um, so Mace can talk a little bit about Davion because I didn't hear much about him, though I really like his skill set for the NFL if you use him in the right way. Yeah, and Montez did have a good week of practice. In fact, a lot of people said he was even better than Jalen Hurts, but he did not have a good game. Yeah, I think that Steven Montez is who he is. It's fair. But NFL teams don't always think that way. It's true. From World of Suck with with a good one here. He says, boys, let's talk punters. <laughs> Why in the world are punter statistics so primitive? There's really two different kind of punts. Punts that flip the field and punts that pin the other team deep in their own territory. Yet the statistics only care to tell you things like yards per punt. Well, a punt can travel 35 yards and pin the other team within their own five and be a quality punt. But 35 yards is terrible from a yards per punt perspective. We need to separate numbers for punts that are pinning opportunities and punts that are flip the field opportunities. I feel like they already do, but we have in the 20, which is that's the stat that's supposed to counteract that. What I think is that inside the 20 is garbage. They need to start tracking inside the 20, inside the 15, inside the 10, inside the 5. For me, just do inside the 10. If you're nailing someone at the 7, even though that's not like the 2, that's still so much better than the 17. Yeah, but why? we keep stats for everything. Why would we not specialize everything down to as, as much as we can? There's no reason not to. And what it should be, I'm actually with you here, World of Suck. What it should be is that you go, so there's, each punt gets categorized, right? If you're behind the 50 or if you're inside the 50. Start there. Then, when you're inside the 50, you have an average pin position. So, if someone right. someone could hit all of their punts to the 19-yard line, someone could hit all of them to the 1. Right now, on the stat sheet, they would look the same. Yeah. So, then you, you track average pin position on those type of punts. That tells you, oh, man, this guy's average pin is 6 point five yeah this guy's is 14.5 those are not equal no i i really like that you know who was a joy to watch in the playoffs this year who? brett brett kern ah uh, yes it was incredible how good he was and every time i'd watch i'd say like oh he had a good one last time can't do it again i mean and i'm just so used to that from watching the broncos recently but no he'd do it every time it whatever you needed and it's kind of exactly what you're getting to world of suck if you needed a boomer in a booming situation, he would do it. If you needed to roll the ball out at the three, he would roll it out at the two. Pretty crazy. He goes, now on to kickers. I think we need a comprehensive stat, something like the NBA's true shooting percentage that gives kickers extra credit when they are successful from deep. But that doesn't count the short-range kicks for as much. I know it's not exactly how true shooting percentage works, 
but it would be helpful to uh, have a number that evaluates a kicker's success against the expected points per attempt given the range of each kick. Ryan, I hope developing these analytics was the project you've been talking about all season. <laughs> do you know what true shooting percentage is? I do. Isn't it where they kind of combine three-point with two-point shots? So, and Like the value of a three compared to a two? Yeah. So technically, if you – so a two is 66% of a three. Okay. So a three is 40, 34, right? 34%. Worth right. 34% more. Right. So I'm piecing this together, but I'm pretty sure if you made all threes and you shot 100% from three and that's all you shot, uh-huh. your true shooting percentage would be 134%. Okay. So essentially, um, there was a time where I think Steph Curry was shooting 67% on wide open corner threes, oh or not even gosh. wide open, on just corner threes, mm-hmm. which they were saying like, it's literally like it it breaks the value oh my gosh because it was above 100 right he's shooting above 100 true shooting percentage <laughs> wow there, which is like that's crazy like literally if you made every two-point shot it wouldn't be equal to that wow it would take it down yeah that's insane and and like stats like that are why basketball has completely changed it is yeah i i see both sides of it i totally was watching highlights of kobe last night and i'm just like no one even wants to shoot these shots anymore. No one wants to shoot a, a difficult two-point jump shot. Nope. And I totally understand why. But it, that's like maybe the most beautiful thing in the game is a turnaround, baseline, fadeaway, two-point jumper. Yep. And that's just dead. And I get it. It makes sense. I can see both sides of it. I'm like, that sucks that that's gone. I understand why no one would shoot that. So what do you think? Should the NFL ruin kicking and uh, bring in a true shooting percentage? No, but I do think you could ease very easily do essentially just just take it the way that fantasy does, right? You could do that a chart where anything inside 40 is worth 3 points, 4 points, 5 points, 6 points. Yeah, I really like this because it really is you don't realize that Brandon McManus hasn't been good uh, over 50 for a couple of years now because it doesn't take into account this and he's been so money from within 50. You can be sure that any big project I'm working on has nothing to do with numbers. <laughs> Next one from VR Though. One thing I don't understand exactly is why more scouts leave prior to the Senior Bowl itself. Is there any particular reason for this? I guess I understand having an evaluation after three days of practice, but it would be better for the game itself if scouts stayed and added to their evaluation for the game. Curious to hear your takes on this. If they want people to, If they want that to happen... Take out the day break before the game. Yeah. People are just, their time is too valuable to spend a day in Mobile, Alabama without doing anything. But you know why the Senior Bowl won't do that? It's because then the game will be on a Friday when people are in work. That doesn't draw ratings. So, of course, they want it on a Saturday. Can't they just move everything back a day? No, probably good, yeah. Practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, game Saturday? You just broke my argument. I have no (laughs) idea. (laughs) I think it's it's like a... that's the way a football game works, you know? Right. You, you have the day off before the game. And they do a community event that Friday. PR. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, scouts don't say no one stays for the actual bowl, for the actual game. It's crazy. Maybe they should just have four practices and no game. Yeah, that wouldn't do well for ratings either. <laughs> 
the ratings uh, gotta be so minimal. I think the only thing that, the, the, that they're banking on is selling tickets to the game itself. That's what's making them money. Oh God, that's gotta be minimal too. <laughs> From Manx Bronco, very off football comment, but something cool coming with Breckeridge Brewery. If this is an export service, I'm going to be severely disappointed. It's not an export sor- export yeah. service or yeah. an um, <laughs> escort service. Yes, that's I was going to say, we've got to be careful how we say that. <laughs> uh, it's neither of those two things because both aren't legal. <laughs> exactly. Next one from Ohio Bronco 70. It says, KJ Hill is looking like a beast. Later round pick for us. I'm not saying that we don't bring in a receiver round one, but maybe bring in two receivers this draft, Jerry or Ruggs and Hill. This pod gets me through my day and really boosts my mood every day I listen. Have a fantastic day, guys. Go DNVR. Then he also says, lastly, rest in peace, Kobe. The impact he made on not only basketball, but all of sports is incredible. We love you, Kobe. Rest easy. Amen. Uh, All right, let's take a quick break here to tell you about Green Mountain Dental. As you may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is really important, and they are giving away a free Sonicare toothbrush, which is not a cheap thing. No. When you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, so make sure you call them at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment and get that free Sonicare toothbrush. All right, next one here is from Tater Tot Tom. What's your favorite theme park and ride? Thanks. <laughs> this is uh, this is off football, so let me put my my mind in this mode. I've I've only ever been to one theme park. The one down here? Uh, that has roller coasters. Okay. Which is Elitch's. Elitch's, yep. Uh, that is the Six Flags in Denver, for those outside of Denver. That's the only one I remember any rides of. But, and, sorry to interrupt you. No, no. Because it just came to me. My favorite theme park is Waterworld. Ah, yes. It's better. And my favorite ride is Voyage to the Center of the Earth. Mm, that's a good one. Yep, that, that'd probably be my favorite of Waterworld, too. And Waterworld, when I was a kid, was always... I liked Waterworld way more than Elitch's. I don't know why. And Elitch's even has a little water park. I felt disrespectful going to that water park in Elitch's. Yeah. Like I was cheating on Waterworld of, with a way lesser version of it. Yeah, Waterworld is dope. I haven't been in probably like 10 years. Oh, yeah, I should go. Man, that'd be fun. That'd be a fun summer trip. What? One thing I remember about Waterworld is you're, you are in your swimsuit. Yep. And you're barefoot, usually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this, you're trying to walk, and the sidewalks oh, are literally <laughs> just frying pans. You're just jumping around like popcorn. Yes. <laughs> you can probably literally hear the pop of the blisters oh, forming on God. the bottom of your feet. Oh, God. <laughs> What was the what was the white wood rickety roller coaster? Twit that was my favorite. Really? Yeah, because you didn't really know if it was gonna break or not. There were no there were no flips, which is a bit disappointing. But it was the oldest one. They brought it. I think they brought it over from the old Elitches, mm-hmm. and uh, that was fun. I didn't like that one. It wasn't fast enough for me. That's true. It was a my old favorite school. is the Mind Eraser. Yeah. That was the one that you always look forward to. Like if it you, you you went and saw if you were tall enough, and you yeah. always wanted to be tall enough for that one. Yeah, um, I didn't like the one that went forward and then backward. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think it's called like the reverse or something like that. Yeah. The then when they put in the half pipe one, that yeah. was pretty cool. 
Yeah, because not only are you doing the half pipe, but you're also spinning. spinning. <laughs> <laughs> I love how these things are literally just designed to disorient you. <laughs> yes. It really is a parent's nightmare. Oh, one that I hated was, I think it might be the last new roller coaster they ever installed there. The one where you're laying down. Oh, what was Facing it? forward. Yep, yep. And you're like Superman, flying. So, something like the flyer. Oh, yes. You didn't like that one. No, it, first of all. I don't like, like, you're trying to keep your head forward, but you're laying down on your stomach, so you have to, like, tilt your neck back, Yeah. and then it was too herky-jerky. Like, if you're flying, it should be smooth. (laughs) No, it it wasn't smooth, (laughs) and you feel it all in your neck. Yeah, Yeah, I hated that one. Waited, I was there, like, the weekend it opened, waited in such a long line. I was so disappointed. I don't even think I ever went back on it. That was the one ride you did. Probably. That's another thing. Not to uh, hate on Elitches in case we ever might advertise. <laughs> I, I So I think the last time I went to Elitches was my last day of senior year of high school. It was like a, a field trip. Like the seniors got to go there. Yep. It was a big deal. And I'm pretty sure we were there for eight hours. And I went on three rides. Uh-huh. And I was like, I'm never coming back here. Yeah, that sounds awful. Yep. About three hour wait. Terrible. Oof. And we didn't even have smartphones, <laughs> or at least good ones. Hopefully, you at least had some flip-flops. Yes, definitely. From Count Locula, on the topic of mainstream candy, original flavors, I think, pound for pound, peanut M&M's got to be way up near the top, right? Love the Count. If we're talking about, you know, anything tiny bite size like that, Reese's Pieces. No. Oh, my God. God, they're the best. Hard no. They are so good. Why do they taste like you're eating peanut butter flavored wax? Sweet wax. I'll give that to you. Terrible. (laughs) Wouldn't even take some if you offered it. Do you like Reese's themselves? Love them. No way. And you like those more than the Pieces. The real Reese's? Yeah. A hundred percent. Oh my gosh, the pieces are so good. Also, it's Reese's, not Reese's. <laughs> Reese's pieces. <laughs> Reese's pieces. <laughs> no. They belong to Reese. He invented Oh, them. is that it? Yes, Actually? there's a there's a uh, possessive apostrophe. There is. So who is Reese? I don't know, some guy. First name, last name? I, I'm saying I'm guessing last name. Middle name pieces. <laughs> <laughs> Reese's pieces. <laughs> Okay, Reese's Pieces. But they are nothing like actual Reese's. They're better. The chocolate to peanut butter ratio is all messed up. I don't even know if there is chocolate. Yeah, so then I'm out. (laughs) Sweet peanut butter. How can you not like that? It doesn't taste like peanut butter. It tastes like peanut wax. Yeah, it doesn't really taste like peanut butter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Pound for pound. I really love peanut M&M's. Sometimes if I'm, like, hungry, not starving, just need something to carry me through, mm. a handful of peanut M&Ms will get the job done. Mm, yeah. And then you don't feel as guilty because you're like, I'm getting some fat, getting some protein, yep. calories. Yeah, I would go as far as to say it's a nutritional snack. <laughs> yeah, it's healthy. Yeah. Uh, is it a breakfast, it's, lunch, and dinner? It's good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if I, I've ever done peanut M&Ms for breakfast. Mmm. Man, when I was a kid, nothing sounded better than a Frappuccino for breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and you like you had the association of coffee in the morning. Yep. yep. What if you made a peanut butter and peanut M&M mm. sandwich? Peanut butter 
and peanuts. Wait, what? Peanut butter and peanut M&M sandwich. So what? <laughs> so explain. You take some bread. Uh-huh. You lay down a layer of peanut butter. Okay. Then you take uh, a handful of peanut M&Ms Ooh. and just sprinkle them into the peanut butter. They stick like, like meteors. Yep. Just oh. making craters. Yeah. They're popping through the bread. Yeah. On top. <laughs> and then you also throw some Reese's Pieces on there. Nope. And maybe you drizzle some honey on there. Oh, you balance it out <laughs> with some caramel M&Ms. Okay. I like caramel mm. M&Ms. So I'm with you here, actually. Peanut M&Ms rank up there in terms of the OGs. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm struggling to find anything some. caramel. So I would also throw caramel M&Ms. Caramel M&Ms are not an OG. They're yeah. a 2000s creation. Oh, and what's an OG? Like 1998? Like the ba- like, the oh, like, they were all they've always been around your whole life. Yeah, yeah. Thinking about it, I remember the commercials for the caramel M and M's. Yep. Yeah. Have you had the pretzel ones? No. Really good. Is it another meal? A little more airy, <laughs> <laughs> which kind of makes them more fun. They crunch really hard. Oh, that sounds good. Yep. Oh, a crunch bar. Those are good. They're good. They're like all right. when you get the mix pack though, and it has the yeah. chocolate, the ones with peanut pieces, the crunch crunch is by far the best. Because mm. it has that airiness. Snickers. No, no, no. I'm just talking like crunch bars, like chocolate bars. Chocolate bars. Yeah. So they got to be flat. Yeah, just chocolate, just a piece of chocolate. Uh, the best one is by far the uh, the Hershey's cook- cookies and cream bar. You're just taking this. You're you're expanding. <laughs> yeah, cookies and cream's pretty it good. Ha- it has the same effect because you have right, a little crunchy. It's crunchy. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, from Dan Burke, there's some guy on Twitter saying that if the Chargers draft Jordan Love, then the Broncos would have the third best quarterback in the division. Mace, did you see something from Love that would suggest he'd be a better prospect than Locke? Um, I, I, I'm not Mace, but I can answer for that for you. I think he would say no. Uh, no one really loved Locke. Also third best quarterback in the division so that they're saying that Mahomes lock love, love lock car yeah give me a effing break yeah in my book until i see it love would be fourth yep it'd be Mahomes lock car love mm-hmm. speaking of senior bowl quarterbacks anthony gordon looked pretty good out there that off-platform plat- throw to Gandy Golden in the back corner of the end zone? Mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> Would y'all consider spending a round three or round four pick on him being a backup with upside? Uh, RIP Kobe, GG, and the other seven people killed in the crash. Um, Anthony Gordon, late round pick. What's the mo? What's the highest pick you would be willing to spend on a quarterback? Fifth, and even that I don't like. If for some reason just the perfect guy was there in the fourth, I would do it. Ugh. I would not do a third, a second, or a first. I think you have Plus the. I early. think you have the backup of the future in the building. Hmm, and that's a good point. And it's not Brandon Allen. Oh, no. It's not Brandon Allen. It's Brett Rippon. I think you have that guy. Like, you got your you got your late round, UDFA, upside, smart kid type of thing. And as much as Mace is going to continue to say it and say it and say it, 
just preaching about the backup quarterback. To me, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, he's if, not. It's what happens when he's not here to defend himself. <laughs> I'm certainly not going there. If the Broncos really need to rely on a backup quarterback that you're spending, you know, that's like your second priority this offseason, well, then you're hosed anyway. Yeah, I'm actually slowly but surely starting to be out on even the idea of adding a veteran. Just because you're all in on Brett? I think you just you got Brett. It works with him and Drew. They've just it. I don't know, man. I just think use your resources to better the t- the players who you are actually planning on playing. And I I do think that Brett hasn't got enough pub because he was Rich Scangarello's guy. Skangs really liked him, brought him in. But just because Skangs is out doesn't mean that he's out because Scangarello didn't give him all of that guaranteed money to sign with the Broncos. John Elway did that. So it shows that that commitment goes above the offensive coordinator that's not here anymore. Agreed. Um, from Am I Right or Amarillo, the last one here. Feels wow. like a super short podcast. Yeah. I've always been a football-first sports fan. Broncos first at that. Uh, but, hey, it's the offseason, so what's a, little, what's a harm in a little baseball talk, perhaps, man? Mason's going to be mad he missed this one. I think I've heard Mace mention being a Braves fan on here before, and I'm sure I rightly assume that RK and Zach are Rockies fans. Yep. I am, by my own admission, a fair-weather Texas Rangers fan. I guess it's okay if you admit it. (laughs) However, last summer was the first season of baseball uh, for the new San Diego Padres AA affiliate, the Amarillo Sod Poodles. (laughs) No way. Sod Poodles? Amarillo Sod Poodles. Why wouldn't they be the Amarillo Armadillos? Oh, they, that must be like a D, D-League team, right? It has to be. Or else how would you not take that name? I don't know. But they really dropped the ball on that one. He says, they're a really fun team with a really weird name and a, and a ballpark, Hodgetown, that is more fun to catch a game at than any of the four MLB parks I've attended. Do any of you have a minor league baseball team that you support? Do you know of any hidden gem type stadiums or ballparks that you could shout out? What's uh what's our Grand Junctions? Oh, uh, the Chubs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Grand Junction Humpback Chubs. They really should have uh embraced that. I mean, they messed that up as bad as you can mess anything up. And I realize that a single A PR staff is probably not very great. <laughs> but man, I mean that was I guess it's not shocking that something that happened within the Rockies organization was handled completely wrong. Yeah, no, not <laughs> as we're finding out over this past week. You got me started. Did you see this? That the that the Rockies hold fan fest, right? Mm-hmm. And media is allowed to be there. Mm-hmm. And media is allowed to talk to the players. And yet Jeff Breidich, who is there in the building, was not available to media. And he was he was there? He was there. And that really got my blood boiling because I'm listening to like Kyle Freeland try to talk about this Nolan Arenado situation. And I'm like, why is he having to be the one who's speaking on behalf of the team in this situation when the general manager who this is all his fault can't stand up there like a man and take the hit for his team and other, he does the complete opposite and goes and hides from the media, so Kyle Freeland's out there trying to talk about something. It's an absolute joke, That's man. so bad. 
That is such a disgrace. Minor league teams think that that's a disgrace. <laughs> it's sod poodles think that's bad. <laughs> you know what a sod poodle is? No. Take a guess. I'm going to say it's a pile of grass that is left on your lawn when you're done mowing it. That's close. That's close. It's an archaic name for a prairie dog, although no one but people with the baseball team seem to have ever heard of it before. Um, Chick-fil-A restaurant put up a marquee that read, Chicken tastes better than sod poodle. Uh, Yeah. I bet it does. Probably stops you from getting the coronavirus, too. It probably would. Um, So getting back to your question, do we support minor league teams? I support... Um, all the Rockies minor league teams, except for the Grand Junction Rockies, <laughs> uh, especially the Hartford Yard Goats. They're my favorite. Mm, why? Because of the name? The name is fantastic. The logo is fantastic. The colors are fantastic. Everything about them is just done right. Their social media manager is great. I just love the Yard Goats. Do you know what a Yard Goat is? Just looked it up. It's a goat. In a yard. In a yard. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, everything they do is just great. And most of the great Rockies were once yard goats, or I forget who they were before they were the yard goats. We used to have the Sky Sox, which were a Rockies affiliate. They're no longer a Rockies affiliate, and I think they might no longer even be a team here soon. Oh, that's sad. Their stadium wasn't really anything to write home about. I do have a claim to fame, though, as it relates to minor league baseball. Oh. I once threw out the first pitch at a game for the Port St. Lucie Mets. No down way. in California. And how did you get or that? In Florida, I mean. How did you get that honor? So my high school golf team, our program was considered like one of the best high school golf programs in the nation. Big flex. And we had just won state the year before. Even bigger flex. And we got invited to a national tournament. Oh, huge flex. In Florida, where the Golf Hall of Fame is. um, Wow. At this, it's called like the PGA something or other. It's like there's four golf courses there. uh, The Golf Hall of Fame in the middle, an incredible practice facility. Just, it was such a cool experience. Well, anyways, the, um, the organizer of the tournament... I just, we built a good relationship, which is kind of like joking around and whatnot. And he comes around as we're on the course on day three of the tournament. And he's like, hey, uh, I got everyone tickets to the Port St. Lucie Mets game tonight. Um, Hope you guys can make it. You know, it's whatever. And I was just like, yeah, I'm down. But I'll only go if I can throw out the first pitch. And I was totally joking. (laughs) He's like, oh, yeah, all right. We'll see about that. And then... He came back around a few holes later and was like, hope you got that. Uh, hope you get your throwing arm warm. You're throwing out the first pitch tonight on behalf of, <laughs> on behalf of us. So, Did you know he was serious then? I was like, wait, really? And he's like, yep. Just oh, to man. <laughs> and how was the pitch? I, a little outside. A Not, little Only outside. a little. Only a little. Like, I don't think it would have been a called strike, but it would have been hard to lay off. How many bounces? Zero bounces. Zero bounces. Were you going from the mound? Yep. Wow. From the bottom of the mound. They didn't want me yeah. standing yeah. on it. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Wow. So what, 51 feet? Sure. Impressive. Yeah. It was really fun. That's my uh, – and I will say, they those stadiums and those teams 
have to give you a reason to be there because you're not going there just for the players. So to go to a triple or a minor league game, all I need to say is I want to throw out the first pitch. No, what I'm saying is that they come up with all sorts of other things that are cool about being there, little fan contests and all sorts of stuff that makes it a fun experience. Really good family experience, I would say, mm. um, especially because like if you have young kids, they're not like, who is this garbage third baseman? I want to see Nolan Arenado. You know? <laughs> <laughs> not like uh, pro- probably maybe not family night on dollar beer nights. Nope, but dollar hot dog nights. Mm. How many dollar, dollar hot dogs nights. could you put down? Two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh, well, you don't get anything else. You don't get fries. No, no, you're no. not spending seven dollars on fries. Right, or even five. Boy. I'd do a first, uh, maybe four, five. Oh, really getting yeah. ambitious here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I'm having hot dogs just on a normal day, I'm eating three. With a bun? Yes. So if it's a challenge, how many could you put down in a hot dog eating contest? How long do you have? Ten minutes? Sounds about right. Yeah. <sighs> and would you dip in water? No, no. I realize, like, if there's money on the line, maybe I would do that. Okay. But I'm not just dipping buns in water. That may be the most repulsive thing. <laughs> like like a sponge. You put it in, and then you squeeze the water out. I um, I didn't used to have a sensitive stomach for those sort of things. I literally turned it off this year, the, the 4th of July hot dog eating contest. I couldn't watch it. It was too disgusting. Oh. I have a story. One time I wasn't feeling so hot, just a little spinny. This is the only time this has ever happened to me. And I was watching the hot dog eating contest and it sent me over the edge, went to the bathroom, got it all out. And then I was fine. I've wow. never like just had to puke and then been fine. I, if like I'm puking, didn't I'm, have food poisoning I'm done for 24 hours. Yeah. That is very weird. Yeah. It was the only time. One time when I was a kid, um, Man, I wish I could say for sure it was the Lakers. I don't know if it was. The Nuggets were playing a really good team. This was the Nuggets were garbage. And they had two free throws. At the, There was like .1 seconds on the clock. They were down by one. And they had two free throws at the end of the game to win the game. And the, um, the coach called timeout right before. And I was so nervous. That oh, I my God. <laughs> wow yep i thought you were gonna say the player threw up no i i i don't, it was like my so my um love for the nuggets came on like really fast uh i my grandpa who taught me like my whole sporting just he he's the reason i love sports he didn't like basketball that much mm. so we never watched the nuggets we watch every rockies game broncos but never the nuggets and then i had a camp and not really a camp counselor, like an after-school program counselor. He loved the Nuggets. And, like, all I wanted was, like, to be cool to him. So I just started watching all the Nuggets games by myself at home. Yeah. And I just, like, I don't know. I was so, so, so into it, like, <laughs> right away. And they probably lost, like, the first 10 games yep. I ever watched. And, like, this was one of the first chances they had to get a win over a really good team. <laughs> and I don't know. It just sent me. Did they win? Yep, they won. Oh, nice. Made them both. Dang. It's because you threw up, probably. Probably. If you kept it in, you probably would have missed. Yeah, my mom and sister still give me grief for that. <laughs> or, like, if they're trying to explain to someone, like, how much I love sports, that's the story they'll tell. That's a good one. 
Especially young. Yep. And the Nuggets won. Now they're just even every time they lost, it's almost like it's not quite Peyton Manning era, but like it's like every time they lose, the sky is falling. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yesterday was a weird game, man, but good win over the Rockets. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean a very very weird game, and uh, didn't Look, the didn't the Rockets get them just a couple nights ago? Yeah, not too long ago, but they yeah. also didn't have Harden yesterday. Okay. But well, that could have been beneficial for the Rockets. No. Are you are you a Harden is overrated guy? The past couple weeks, he's been doing some crazy thing, crazy in bad ways. Well, yeah, that's and that's what you get gone, with them. We are just going further and further <laughs> off the rails. But you could, you probably ended the. We already got to the last question. You can leave whenever you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, the entire team is built around shooting the threes, and it starts with Harden, and. When he goes cold, it's almost like you chopped off the head of the um, the robot army or whatever, you yep, know. Yeah. And now they can't function. I mean, after he went one for seventeen from threes a few days ago, they showed a did stat. He really? One for seventeen. Oh my god! How did I miss that? They showed the worst, uh, the worst five games of people shooting from from threes. He has four of them. He's gone one for seventeen twice. He's gone one for sixteen. And I think he's gone one for 15. He's by far my least favorite basketball player. Uh, he's, but I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I like the Russ and Harden combo. Because I don't, I think it's going to be very tough for Harden to win a championship. But they just double down on this philosophy. And it looks like it's panning out better than people thought. Yeah, it's a little weird. Um, and it, Harden is so good. He's so talented. And it, that's what makes me so mad that he feels like he has to trick the referees. Right. I'm it's, just like, dude, just play ball. You're really good at this game. Yeah. You don't have to play this, like, I'm just going to throw my head back and throw my arms up. And if they don't call it, then I just scream at them and try and scare them into calling it the next time. Yeah. When, when Dwayne Wade and LeBron were in Miami, I just feel like Dwayne would get every – he would drive and it would be a foul every time in the playoffs. And now – I was frustrated by that, but now it's just on steroids with Harden. Oh God. It's disgusting. It's not, it's just not fun to watch. That's like why I don't like him. I'm like, you're taking the fun out of the watching the game. Right. You're shooting the three or doing that, but I love Russ. Meanwhile, I know you do. It's so dumb. (laughs) Meanwhile, Jokic is over here getting scars on his arms. Have you seen the new scar that he has around his (laughs) armpit? And he can't even get a call. Yeah. He's not even getting a foul. No. But he's actually learning how to flop. He flopped Harden the other night, which was incredible. Wow. And Harden was so mad. And it was a terrible flop. That's pretty poetic. And I was like, hell yeah. And he yep. got the call? Yep. And he's just he's starting to learn. That's the only way he gets calls if he flops. So this is the ref's fault. They're if, turning him into a flopper. If it's the way that it's going, don't you have to adjust? Exactly. Yeah. Just like the Rockies need to start stealing signs. <laughs> <laughs> Using technology. Just kidding. Don't do that. You already have enough problems. <laughs> All right. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We and still ended up short of two hours today. And really quick, Ryan, before we get out of here, we had 24 comments on today's pod. Uh, How about that? That is quite, yep. quite poetic. And thank you guys for, uh, for bearing with us. Thanks for being such a great family all the time. Thanks for everyone. I'm going to talk for a little bit longer. Thanks to everyone who's left us reviews. Guess how many reviews we now have. Oh, I have no idea. 400. No way. We have 400 
reviews That's on the podcast, which is pretty incredible. So thank you to everyone who has been leaving reviews lately. I see them all. I appreciate them all. And to the one person who keeps asking podcast questions in the reviews and wondering why they don't get answered. <laughs> if you want to ask questions for the podcast, you have to leave them on the website, not on the iTunes reviews. If we ever want like a thousand comments though, let's just tell the reviews. Let's just tell people to leave them there for a couple of days. Ooh, <laughs> yes. We're only answering questions left under five star reviews. Yes. I feel like that could, that could be considered like review fraud. Oh yeah. Well, that goes on a lot on the internet. That's true. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys for listening in. Thank you to that one person who keeps leaving those comments. I do see them but you got to leave them on the website got to stay strict about the rules we will talk to you tomorrow on the dnvr broncos podcast South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. (laughs) 